0: Hello, and welcome to the Sensibly Speaking podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you for, well, let's see if this is another hour of power here, podcasting greatness here on YouTube uh, with video, as well as uh, where all good podcasts are sold. Hey, everybody. Last week in our Critical Conversations Live show, I attempted, I think probably poorly, to try to communicate or talk about QAnon, And what is QAnon? Where did it come from? What's it all about? Well, I gave some explanations, but it was in the, I was kind of flying solo and I was uh, in the middle of taking phone calls and trying to keep up with a live show. And that's a little bit of a different animal than doing a recorded, uh, pre recorded here um, uh, podcast. So here's my stab at it in a podcast format and this is a complicated and multi-layered subject i have been deep in the anonymous world for the last couple of weeks um, i've known about it from the very beginning all going all the way back to 2017 when the whole thing kind of started um, uh, because i would heard rumblings about it and this and that and the other thing and it was related in a distant way to um, anonymous and to the anonymous movement that had started against Scientology back in 2007, and those were those were activists or hacktivists that did good work. They were doing work against Scientology, and of course we all like that, and that helped wake me up, helped wake up a bunch of people who were in Scientology, and and yet on reflection and on, on examining the history and. Uh, infamous uh, actions that are taken by anonymous computer users, internet users, on the boards where Anonymous grew and thrived, and you know, and none of the people who were around in 2007 are really still around. I mean, there's different sets of people that that go through these these message boards, and so we're going to talk about this because it has to do with um, how QAnon started and what QAnon actually is. And how it even could have happened is is very reliant on the origin story. The roots of it are very reliant on the darkest, dankest, most horrible parts of... Um, the Internet that you and I are able to access. I'm not talking here about the dark web because that's a different thing. That's unindexed, unfindable, very difficult to locate websites or Internet locations where you have to know the exact IP address or the exact location of how to get it because you'll never find those locations on Google. Google just simply doesn't pay attention to or index or make accessible Dark web sites. So that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about things that you can get to, I can get to, anyone can, and um, that's part of the problem. So we will start our QAnon origin story with. Um, I've got a lot of notes here, and like I said, this is a this is a from a cult perspective, from the viewpoint of how I look at and study things. There's a lot of layers to this. There's a lot to know, and many, many different ways of analyzing it. Many frames or lenses we can look at when we look at QAnon. We can look at it as a right-wing extremist group. We can look at it as a, uh, you know, sort of crypto terrorist kind of activity. We can look at it as. Um, you know, simply anonymous people on the Internet practicing their freedom of speech, and we can look at it from the freedom of speech and human rights perspective. We can look at it from the cult perspective and, um, and, the, and the, the headspace or the mindset that people get into when they go too far down these rabbit holes and get into communities or cultures, little subcultures that develop around these um, these little groups that exist on these, on these rather infamous websites. So QAnon is a movement, is a collective, is a group of people who have a common idea or common belief set. Okay, that's basically what QAnon is. And we'll get into all the specifics of, or many of the base, you know, fundamental specifics of what they believe in. But first off, that's what it is. It's a bunch of people who met or interacted on the internet uh, found out about this conspiracy theory and then started piling into being part of this community. Um, and it's uh, it's a community that that very much supports Donald Trump uh, when he was president and then after he left. In fact, Donald Trump is sort of the the central figure here. But let's go ahead and talk about uh, origins first. So this, the first thing we're going to talk about is um, 4chan. Okay, now you might have heard 4chan. You might have heard of 4chan. You might know everything about 4chan there is to know. You might know more than I do. But I'm assuming, you know, laying this podcast out, we're really only going to cover basics here. We're going to cover the basic origin story, the basic idea of what QAnon is, and how that led to um real world violence this is not just an online activity anymore and that's one of the most interesting things about it is that it has made this leap from obscure dank dark areas of the internet to YouTube, Reddit, Facebook—you know, mainstream social media platforms and media platforms—and from there into real-world gatherings, and ultimately the January 6th insurrection. So, and there were other incidents as well of uh, earlier episodes of of real-world violence or potential violence that also occurred. Because of QAnon, and this actually builds on earlier things that earlier conspiracies, earlier uh, ideas that had been fostered and developed in the same places where QAnon came from, and again, that's uh, starting off with 4chan. So 4chan is the name of a website. Um, it comes from a series of websites starting that started with 2chan, meaning channel two. The, the channel you'd have to go to in order to get to the cable access or internet, you know, whatever, um, it was the name of a site, 2chan. And then there was 3chan, then 4chan. And 4chan uh, was and is an open forum, kind of a lot like Reddit. It's a it, image message, or you can message, you can share images, memes, graphics with one another, as well as text messages. Everybody on 4chan is anonymous. They are not, you do not have to register with any ID, any name, even the server guys, the moderators and the administrators and the people who run the site don't know who all the users are. You don't have to give them your personal information. So you go on there, anybody goes on there, and they can say and do whatever they want, and there's very, very, very tiny chance that you would ever be discovered or found out, or or doxed, or you know unmasked in your anonymous anonymity. <laughs> so, um, and the idea with the, with 4chan is that it was supposed to be the wild, wild west, wide open. Anybody can say anything about anything they want, and the way it organizes is there's various boards or or uh, or, or, or subgroups similar to Reddit or even Facebook where you have pages or groups, you have um, you have these these forums or these sub-threads or sub-areas where people can go—I'm mixing a little bit of terminology there—but basically forums where you can go, and these are by subject matter. So you might have, uh, you know, cute animal puppies, and you might have uh, lizards, and you might have incorrect, you know, politics, and uh, you might have... Uh, One concentrated on fat people and fat shaming and not against fat shaming but actively doing fat shaming sharing memes sharing pictures of fat people making fun of them you know overweight obese people etc so um so you can have anything appear on these boards and and anything has appeared on 4chan and there is a degree of moderation that occurs and um there are law enforcement that can oversee these sites and do Uh, from time to time. And so when some kinds of material gets posted there, the webmasters or the uh, administrators might be contacted and told in no uncertain terms, that's illegal, that needs to come down right now, at which time they will usually do exactly that because they don't want to be shut down. And that's a, you know, and that's kind of a threat. In the United States, we have some of the most liberal freedom of speech laws or protections anywhere in the world and i think too much but that's really an individual call at this point and um and so a lot of these uh chan sites are hosted in the united states uh, as opposed to other countries but there are places where you know things have gone hosted to other countries point is it's it's wide open people say anything they want and a lot of what they have to say on these boards and in these sites is pretty disgusting pretty gross stuff um really offensive in many many ways you know dark jokes racism misogyny sexism i mean all the things we sort of rail against in in mannered normal regular society they thrive on they live for it they 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 revel in their anti-establishment anti-group anti-society kind of uh, free-for-all that they get to have there and people who are in a frame of mind that they want to share their deepest darkest most horrible thoughts will go there and do that and that's that's what those sites are about so you get the idea from I, I, I'm hoping you get the idea from this that that these are places where you would not want to have children let's say uh, and yet children can register there very easily there is no Guarantee, there is no safety net, there is no anybody uh, tr- trying to make sure that the users of 4chan or 8chan or these other boards um, are having a safe experience, are having a, a, a um, uh, you know, in any way catered. Okay. There's none of that. No controls. There's no, no child controls. Anything like that. Uh, unless I said like law enforcement or something contacts these guys, the people who set up and run these things are free speech absolutists. They believe that everybody should have the right to say whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, and damn the consequences. And this is truly where they come from. And it's a, it's a pretty bizarre headspace because it's it's probably the most egotistical, it's one of the most egotistical headspaces I've ever seen. It is, it's purely driven by, you know, my freedoms, my desires, my need to communicate, my darkest, deepest, most horrible things that I could possibly say or share is my right and how dare you have anything to say about it or try to stop me. Uh, fair enough, but there are consequences, and there are real-world consequences that come from this, and when you allow unfettered, uncensored, uncontrolled um, sharing of, of information amongst people, well, this is our laboratory experiment for what happens, and what happens is some pretty dark stuff. Okay, so um, in terms of this, uh, there's a Washington Post article here, which I thought I would share with you guys, that talks about... Who uses 4chan? According to the site's own statistics, the vast majority of its users are young, college-educated men with an interest in Japanese culture, video games, comics, and technology. Most live in English-speaking countries – the United States, Great Britain, Canada, and Australia, but the site also sees sizable traffic from Germany, Sweden, and France. In late 2010, a 4chan user conducted a wholly unscientific survey of other site users, which found that, amongst other things, most 4chan users don't discuss the site offline, and most users wouldn't let their kids join it. Um, So there are, uh, in terms of uh, why is 4chan important, well, it's where QAnon was literally born. Okay, Um, but it's not the only thing that's come out of 4chan. There have been, there's a history here, and the history, the backstory is kind of important because it sets the stage in a very specific way, because the stage is a pretty unique place. This isn't like Facebook or Reddit or places you're more familiar with. It's different. It's unfettered. It's uncensored. So anything goes and when you allow young white men to have at it with anything goes this is the kind of thing they produce uh celebgate which was the leak of dozens of stolen celebrity nude photos um no longer available on 4chan but they exist as as downloadable but all that started on 4chan sharing um you know pictures private pictures hacked from celebrity phones and celebrity computers um, of private, intimate photos that they took that they did not intend for public consumption. Well, they didn't care. We were going to share the hell out of this. Then there's Gamergate. Now, if you guys have ever heard, and Gamergate's a huge subject, and I'm only really skimming it here by saying, uh, again, reading this description from the Washington Post, that Gamergate was an ongoing movement to expose quote unquote corruption in video game journalism which was drummed up by 4chan users. Now again, this is a bunch of, of young guys really pissed at females and female gamers specifically speaking up about gender inclusion and equality in video games. You might have noticed that, you know, a lot of women in video games uh, are scantily clad for example. Uh, some women objected to this and these gamers and 4chaners decided that they needed to be taught a lesson that these uh, upstart females who were daring to speak up and push against the establishment norms of the male-dominated gamer industry needed to be pushed back into the kitchen and shut the fuck up. So they decided that they would um, cyberstalk, harass, dox, and otherwise um, abuse uh, as, as well as they could and as, as heavily as they could. And they, real, they really piled on. To certain women and um, and, me- and men who who tried to also ally with that, and there were lives ruined, there were careers destroyed, there was money lost, and there was a great deal of controversy uh, connected with all of this. This was GamerGate. Okay. Um, even more despicable, uh, if you can imagine this, because this—if you even take the the mildest look into GamerGate. You're gonna see the morality and the uh, rather the lack of a moral compass that most 4 chaners seem to revel in. That's a it's a sort of a group collective awful and this is something that sociologists and psychologists have been studying and known, talked about, known about, story writers have written about it before psychologists were even studying it. I mean, you can see old Twilight Zone episodes and, and you know, experiments and, 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 and group activities, et cetera, that show how we can rile each other up and how an individual can enter into this situation who is not riled up and get riled up. And become an awful person when they when they weren't necessarily before. This group influence and peer pressure and and the group free for all of it all can be quite heady. It can be quite a intoxicating experience. And when you're in the middle of it, um, you think it's just this, you know, consequence-free, wonderful ride with no real, you know, nobody's really getting hurt. What's the big deal? I'm just, you know, sharing pictures. I'm just throwing memes around. But when it starts getting into the heavier duty stuff, and it's and these mob, these cyber mobs are easily pushed into the heavier stuff, then it gets real ugly, really fast, and there are real world consequences. For example, there was the cyber bullying of a of a girl, eleven years old, named Jesse Slaughter. That was her name. And one of the earliest high-profile incidents of cyberbullying, in which four Chan members sent death threats and calls to an 11-year-old girl, who would later make multiple suicide attempts. Okay, real-world consequences come from cyberbullying, and um, and these guys really don't care. They think it's great. They think it's wonderful. If if somebody were to kill themselves. As a result of the cyberbullying campaign that 4chan executed, that forum would erupt in joyous wonderment. They thought that was the greatest thing ever. So we're talking about people who are not like you and me. They are turned into something else or they already were something else before they arrived there and they were drawn to that because of that. Okay, these are extremely antisocial, extremely evil activities that go on on these boards this is not just fun and games and haha isn't this a cute meme of this fat person this is this is a lot darker and this is the home this is the boiling pot where QAnon arose okay um so i think i've got the i think i've given you the idea and you can look this stuff up i'll i'll um see about posting this link in the um in the show notes here to today's show so you can check out some of the stuff for yourself. But first, we needed to establish what 4chan was, and that's what it is. Now, another activity that occurs on 4chan, which is kind of weird, but it apparently is a thing, is called LARPing, L-A-R-P, Live Action Role Playing. And what this means in the context of a message board like 4chan is People are anonymous. Nobody knows who anybody else is. So they can be anybody. You could be interacting with another, you know, with a a 12-year-old who's living in his mom's basement exactly according to the stereotypes, even though that's not really the stereotypical 4chaner, but you could could be interacting with a 12-year-old or you could be interacting with a 50-year-old government official. You could be interacting with a Wall Street uh, major trendsetter. You could be interacting with a housewife in Montana. You could be interacting with literally anyone. So some of these people will present themselves as government officials, as high up um, federal officials, FBI agents, CIA officers, case officers, um, and because uh, they're and they go by names like FBI Anon. So I'm FBI Anon. That means I'm an FBI agent or I'm representing myself in F- as an FBI agent. And this is my name and this is who I am. And you don't know. You don't know if this person's an FBI agent or not, but they probably aren't. And uh, in fact, the chances are very, very, very high that they are not. And so what you're dealing with there is a role player, somebody who is live action role playing. He is pretending to be this FBI guy, and he's posting messages and saying things as though he is this or she is this FBI officer or CIA agent or whatever. So this activity was already happening on these boards before QAnon ever came along, before this Q person ever came along, and Q Clearance Patriot was the full name of the individual who started posting these drops that we now call Q drops, and which uh, we later shorten this Q Clearance Patriot name down to simply Q. And Q Clearance Q Clearance Patriot presented themselves or role playing as A uh, government official within Donald Trump's inner circle who had a Q level security clearance. Now, if you haven't heard of a Q level security clearance up until this whole thing, that's not unusual because it's a clearance, it's a top secret security clearance that exists in the Department of Energy. So, not a whole bunch of people have Q clearance. Uh, and it's very, very likely that this person who's posing as Q or, or is saying, is presenting themselves as Q, is not somebody who has any real top secret clearance. They never provided any real information or credentials that proved that that was true. Okay, and no one has really totally proven or nailed down who Q is. That's a question I'm not going to get into in this podcast because, frankly, I don't really care at this point. There is a whole HBO documentary you can watch on. It's called Q, Coming of the Storm or something like that. And um, that is basically one man's hunt for who Q is. And if you want to know a lot more and actually see in graphic detail what the 4chan and these other boards are about that Q was born in, then um, I recommend watching that documentary because you'll get an eyeful and you will get more than an eyeful and then you'll get even more. And as I have been, you will be convinced that these um, boards are some of the worst cesspools of human gatherings that have ever existed. These places are really toxic. Okay, so LARPing is something that occurs there. And I, and I needed to talk about that because Q is a LARPer. Q is somebody who is pretending to be, uh, in all likelihood, uh, I mean, I, I, none of this can be said with 100% certainty. But given the fact that there is absolutely no evidence that this has been going on since 2017, no one's come forward and claimed to have been Q openly. Every single person who has ever been accused of it has denied it. And, um, and so we don't know. You know really who this person actually is there are good guesses and there is good conjecture and maybe in future episodes we'll cover some of that but I don't think that's important for what we're trying to do right now because Q is not a central cult leader in the same way L. Ron Hubbard is or in the same way that Jim Jones was it's a bit of a different thing and well I, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit with that because I don't want to go too far ahead um we'll get to the cult characteristics of this and and how this does fit certain cult modeling um in a really really unique and interesting way and it's really the development of this and and the and and how this thing kind of went from obscure to mainstream and how it's evolved that's the most interesting part of this whole thing as far as as far as i'm concerned um and the membership of this group is of is of far more interest to me than the leadership of the group uh okay so you had gamergate happen now another thing that developed on this on 4chan before q came along was something called pizzagate and uh pizzagate you might have heard about or or heard discussed um, it was a controversy generated around um, the leak. There was a hack done of the Democratic National Committee's emails. John Podesta, name you might have heard, was the head or chairman of the DNC, and his emails were hacked. And there was a big dump of them, and there and there was a lot of emails. And in sifting through those emails, these bright bulbs on 4chan decided, or, or somebody decided, that... Uh, every time there was a lot of comments throughout the email dump, these guys like ordering pizza. And so there, was, there, were, uh, there were mentions throughout in various emails between people at the DNC about ordering pizza. And some bright bulb decided that this was code right? These guys are people who are really into trying to see beyond and figure things out and get get to the real story behind things, even when there is no real story, and they're just making shit up. This is a a world where there are no consequences and where nobody can really hold you accountable for anything you say. You know, I mean, every, every, user, every person who's on these boards has a unique ID, so we know that from one day to the next to the next, this is the same person posting this stuff, but you don't know anything about the person. So they're free to do whatever or say whatever they want without any fear of retribution or, or real-world consequence, um, unless they were to get doxed or unmasked or somebody were to find out who they were, right? But that's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. Um, it's not like you can get an app or you can call somebody or something like that. It's it, it's hard. Okay, so there is a real guarantee and expectation by the users of these groups that that they're never gonna nobody's ever gonna know what they're saying. And as as we know from um, research on this, these guys don't talk about this in the real world with other people. They keep it to themselves. This is their little secret. And it should be because this stuff's pretty awful. So anyway, uh, GamerGate is where somebody decided that every time they mentioned pizza in these emails, what they were actually talking about was a child. A child was being ordered by these bunch of pedophiles, see, because the DNC is made up of a bunch of pedophiles. In fact, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and all their friends and all their connections are all a bunch of pedophiles. And this has been an accusation that is completely, you know, doesn't really have any founding in fact other than the connection to Jeffrey Epstein. Okay, so there are connections in some of this that are drawn from real-world connections that could be something. But then, like Scientology, they'll take this one possible maybe piece of maybe evidence, say it's absolutely true, swear on any number of Bibles that it's absolutely true, and then build from that. And that's an important little sequence of events right there because that's how QAnon happened is there were all these ideas about pedophiles and and uh, the deep state, this sort of shadow hidden government that really runs things. And it doesn't really matter who, which administration is in power. The deep state are the guys who really run things in Washington. This kind of thinking, right? It's very, very simplistic, um, conspiracy-minded kind of thinking. And there's all kinds of reasons why people get into that. Not going to really get into that right now, but um, but this idea of taking a half truth or a sort of wondering truth or an assumption about something, and then treating it as an absolute fact and building on it and building an entire mythology off of this one piece of false or you know maybe somewhat true information, and then going and 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 building this whole thing off of it. This is a common thing. This happens all the time on these boards. Uh, especially in the realm of this politics and the deep state. So this idea of a deep state existed, the idea that, that the Clintons and others in the DNC or in the liberal left are a bunch of pedophiles and actually Satan worshipers. I mean, this, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that gets forwarded here and shared as though it's true. You know, some of this stuff probably starts as jokes, too. But these are not a whole lot of mentally stable people. I mean, I hope we're clear on the fact that the people who are drawn into this either start off a little broken or very broken, or they get broken in the process, because you can't be exposed to the kind of deranged nonsense that goes on on these boards for any length of time and not get damaged, basically. I mean, I'm just saying that, you know, that's my opinion, but... Um, it's pretty bad, right? And uh, like I said, if you want to go check it out for yourself or look at some of the stuff that gets shared, we're talking about Nazi stuff. We're talking about anti-Semitic stuff. We're talking about throwing them in the ovens with pictures of doing so. We're talking about um, child rape. We're talking about a lot of really dark stuff that gets joked about as though it's no big deal. Okay. So some of these ideas were fostering or brewing on this board before Q ever came along. And Q actually didn't just show up one day and start being believed. Q was just another anonymous poster, just Q, Clarence Patriot. Okay, Q, here's this guy, right? Just like FBI and on and CIA and on, you know, LARPing on the boards as though they're some government official and making, you know, weird statements and, and message drops uh, to try to entice other people or, or get them to figure out what they're saying or something like that. So in, tw- in I think it's October 2017 is when Q famously drops the first of um, what ended up being something on the order of 5,000 Q drops, Q messages um, on 4chan. And um, that activity continued. uh, Those 5,000 posts were between October of 2017 and December 2019. Q hasn't posted anything since December 2019 after Trump lost and and left office. So, um so we haven't heard, you know, so Q's kind of disappeared now just so you know, but the QAnon movement has continued and it's fractured, it's factioned, it's it's split, it's that this that the other problem. I mean, there's a ton of stuff going on there. It's not just some simplistic monolithic activity. It's not, a, it's not that simple because what we're dealing with here is an online community that in some ways has translated into the real world, but it's also stayed online in a number of ways. So it's complicated. There's a lot of layers to this, right? Um, okay, so I got a lot of notes here, and I'm just kind of skimming through because I don't want to just read to you guys the whole time. Um, okay, now... Q started on 4chan, and after a certain period of time, and I don't have all the dates, I don't have the whole timeline worked out here, but after a certain period of time, 4chan started moderating or or messing with Q's posts, and Q didn't like that, and moved to 8chan. Now, 8chan was started by a guy named Fred, and he's in the documentary, and you can see him. He has actually since starting 8chan he start he he kind of created it as an alternative to 4chan because 4chan was getting too controlled too moderated everything i've described to you was going on on 4chan and these guys thought that's not enough i want to be able to say anything i want so this guy fred started 8chan And 8chan became the place where Q moved to. And Q brought his followers at that point. He had developed followers, and people were now into this whole Q drop thing of of taking his cryptic messages and decoding them. And we'll get to that in a second. But it went from 4chan to 8chan, okay? And um, then, uh, interestingly, the guy who was, you know, after a few years, uh, the guy who was running 8chan... Who started it, sold it to a guy named Ron Watkins, and continued moderating it. But after about two years, got really burnt out. Two or three years, I guess. And he said in the in the documentary that, um, you know, he was a free speech absolutist <laughs> until he saw what people were doing with it. And I, I I believe that it was very obvious that moderating that over the period of a couple of years took an incredible psychological toll on this guy. I don't think you know, he ever imagined what people really were gonna do with unfettered free speech. So um, and he saw all of it because he was moderating these boards. He was the decision point as to what what stayed and what didn't. Or again, maybe they got calls I can't remember from uh, law enforcement that they would have to take certain things down. but um, anyway, it, he he did not seem too impressed by the whole thing, and after a certain period of time, he actually started pushing back and insisted that Eight Chan be shut down, and that was when it was renamed or changed over to Eight Kun K U N, and this was done by Ron Watkins and his son, who now run and and operate Eight Kun. So um, basically, still the same thing: unfettered free speech absolutism. You know, here we go uh as this has been exposed there have been times when it's gone down when there have been issues and problems and this has gone into the mainstream in a pretty big way this stuff was never meant to be mainstream news these guys were not creating these boards the people who go to these boards were not expecting to be blown up to you know the big huge mainstream media stage but q was a little different Because Q started something on 4chan that had been kind of different and unique. Gamergate and uh, Pizzagate had been earlier kind of similar incarnations of community gathering of awful. Where a whole bunch of these guys got together at once and decided we're going to take down these female gamers. Or we're going to take out this Comet Ping Pong pizza place where they have pedophiles in the basement. Remember that guy? From North Carolina who took a gun and went to Washington DC and went to Comet Ping Pong and walked in there guns a blazing ready to start like shooting pedophiles because he thought that that they were in the basement of this Comet Ping Pong. Uh, Place. This is the place where the DNC had been ordering their pizzas from. In other words, you know, to this guy's twisted worldview, this is the place where they were running a child pedophilia ring, and he was going there to 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 get some justice and free these kids. Well, imagine his surprise when he shows up in there, brandishing weapons, walking around, you know, take me to your basement, and they say, "Dude, we ain't got a basement. There is no basement." Everything he'd been reading was complete horseshit. And this guy went to jail. (laughs) I mean, you don't get to walk into a pizza place brandishing weapons and threatening people and not have consequences. And he very quickly realized what a fool he was. And that's that's when it's you know that's one of many incidents there was also an incident on Hoover Dam where a guy shut down traffic for a while came out there guns you know brandishing weapons uh again from this from this Q thing if i remember that right so okay so it so Q moved from 4chan to 8chan to 8kun and um and by december 2019 had had ceased posting altogether um, but q was the main component of uh 8chan and 8kun that actually really got them popularized and going because q was developing a following now there was a conspiracy theory made up of all of these different elements that had kind of already existed there. But Q started putting them together in a way that had appeal to people where other efforts and attempts to put these things together in other ways hadn't appealed to people in, this, in a similar way. Somehow this kind of twist caught on. And Q's original post was that Hillary Clinton was being uh, arrested, and the extradition was actually happening, and she was going to Gitmo in the next few days. And this was going to be released, and this was going to be a thing. And this was in October 2017. Well, Hillary Clinton was not arrested. That never happened, and it was never going to happen. But that didn't stop the people on this board from doubling down on the claim and then further claims and more claims and more claims. But Q's claims would come in these very cryptic drops, these messages. And these were very strange. They were oddly worded. They were cryptic. They had numbers and letters and weird things connected with them. And like I said, there were over 5,000 of these or almost 5,000 of them. So like L. Ron Hubbard's lectures, this is a prolific poster. There would be days where there could be three, four, five postings, and then maybe a day of none, and then another day of 12 postings, and then you know a couple days of only one, and then maybe none for a while. So it was infrequent how often Q was hitting these boards and dropping these messages but after after this was established as a thing and Q became this reputable source of of cryptic knowledge that he was he was now spreading to the 4chan board and quickly they created their own board and their own little world they took it it went from the uh, politics board to its own board and they started on and that's when this this thing really started gaining steam then, um, okay, then it went to YouTube. A couple of, there was a South African uh, 4chaner who was following this very closely, totally convinced Q was real, talk, nobody was talking about, and a couple other people. And they took the Q messaging and the Q conspiracy to a YouTuber, uh, a woman, Diaz, and I think Patrick or Patricia or something like that and she started talking about it on youtube she didn't have a huge channel but it started gaining youtube attention it went from the cesspool of the internet to a mainstream the most popular video sharing platform in the world and so she didn't have a huge channel but she had enough influence and enough viewers that the youtube algorithm picked it up and started recommending q based content To all the usual suspects, the conspiracy theorists, the flat earthers, the Alex Jones types, started seeing these Q videos, and it started building a bigger following of people who had never been to 4chan or 8chan or 8con, never wanted to be, but they wanted to find out more about Q, so they went there, and they started following these message drops, and what developed is one of the most fascinating things about this entire movement, it became interactive. And by that, I mean that with a group like Jim Jones or Scientology or Am Shinrinkyo or these other cults, you have a centralized leadership, a a man or a woman or a group of people who are calling all the shots, making all the rules, laying down the mythology, laying down the truth. And they are the source of the truth. But in Q, Q-drops are the source of the truth, but it's a truth you have to figure out. He's not just using plain speak. And so the Q-drops would have to be translated. And so what developed is a kind of ecosystem and a hierarchy of Q-followers where some of them became what are called bakers. And this is just so weird. So what the bakers would do is they would take the Q drop as soon as it would come down. Like maybe that day there was a Q drop. <gasps> okay, good, boom, right? And the, and these bakers would start looking up and finding potential answers or potential connections or dot connecting to what Q was saying and what he was predicting or what he was talking about. And Q was, was uh, saying things like, Um, There are no coincidences. This is not a game, but this is a game. I mean, there was a lot of psychological language manipulation going on here. It's a whole other level of analysis of this that we're not going to get into today. But Q's cryptic messages would need to be interpreted and the bakers, the self-appointed Q followers who said, I can figure out what this guy is saying and I'm going to go look and find and see what could potentially be an answer or an interpretation of this Q drop and then I'm going to share it with the rest of the community. And basically, the community is the one who decides through their votes, through their, it's not a formal process, but the bakers would drop their idea of what these crumbs meant. The the Q drops would have crumbs in them, and the bakers would take the crumbs and turn it into bread, okay, is kind of the the wording that they used. And so, uh, and then Q would often, in later drops, verify, confirm, or deny The translations or the interpretations. So sometimes these would work out and go in the direction he wanted it to, and other times it would go in some other direction, and he didn't really comment on it one way or the other. And other times he'd say, no, that's not right. What I meant was this. So it was, and and there's, like I said, in 5,000, almost 5,000 drops, you got a lot, a lot being said. But this ecosystem that developed... Is, is interesting because it, it was almost it was almost uh, religious in a way, in that you had these bakers who were really kind of acting as conduits or interpreters of the divine messaging. And the, and the messaging was vague enough and weird and cryptic enough that it could have multiple meanings. So which one's right? Well, Let's see what they all have to say and let's kind of, you know, through community crowdsourcing, they're kind of voting in what the next element of the mythology is going to be or what the next predicted event is going to be or what the next part of the conspiracy is going to be. Yeah, pretty weird, pretty weird stuff. Um, Now, the the conspiracy theory that developed from this is... Well, it's wild, and I'm just going to read you a summary of the basic fundamental of what the Q conspiracy is. This has been contributed to by, at this point, thousands of people and has gone off in lots of different directions. There is not a single unified Q conspiracy mythology that everybody agrees with. There's lots of different tangents and ideas with this, but there are certain fundamental principles of the conspiracy that are always that always seem to be true or aren't argued about very often, and that's basically what this breakdown or summary of this is. Okay, here we go. With the aid of a small group of military intelligence officers called the Q team, one or more of whom is supposedly responsible for writing the drops. Oh yeah, see, it could be possible that Q is more than one person. It could be a team of people. There have been allusions to that, even in some of his drops. So it's not necessarily true that it's just one guy. So with the aid of a small group of military intelligence officers called the Q team, President Donald Trump is waging a shadow war against a cabal of Satan-worshipping, child-eating pedophiles who are conspiring to obstruct and overthrow him. The military will arrest them en masse in an event called the storm. If you've heard of Q and the coming storm, or the storm is coming, that's what they're talking about. The cabal's membership has grown in the telling. At first, it was many in our government, quote-unquote, Then, within a month, it was any celebrities who had supported Hillary Rodham Clinton or HRC, and they might well be in on it. And a few months later, there were just too many people to fit into into Guantanamo Bay. There were so many people who were involved in the sex ring, child-eating, Satan-worshipping cabal. Uh, And later still, three other detention centers were being prepped. Okay, This is the kind of thing Q would would say is detention centers are being prepped. You know, preparations are being made. Hillary's about to be arrested. Watch for this, watch for this. Look at this. What do you think this means? I mean, all real world co- activities were being commented on, but Q would introduce little twists and turns into it. And then the community, would respond to this by interactively figuring out what he was talking about and coming up with their own mythology. Uh, Okay, and this is the mythology that they came up with, is there were so many of these people in the government that they weren't even going to fit in Guantanamo Bay, and they were prepping three more detention centers. And it would be fair to say that virtually anyone who's ever angered or defied President Trump is considered part of the cabal along with the usual suspects like philanthropist George Soros, who is one of the favorite whipping boys of the anti-Semitic conspiracy crowd. They hate on George Soros 24-7, as well as any other Jews. They call out Jews in Hollywood. They call out Jews in power. Uh, they're really no better than Louis Farrakhan when it comes to that. In fact, the rhetoric is almost exactly the same as Louis Farrakhan's rhetoric. And then, of course, You should be familiar with Farrakhan at this point, he's the guy who heads up the Nation of Islam, which is one of the most anti-Semitic hate groups I've ever encountered, and they are staunch allies of the Church of Scientology. (laughs) Okay, so um, QAnon's history here is a little different because like I said, they jumped to um, YouTube. And um this of course resulted in the mainstreaming of QAnon, where it became um merch, I mean YouTubers get hold of this and suddenly it becomes an income opportunity, right? And a number of, of YouTubers stepped up and started presenting themselves as YouTube as QAnon bakers, as interpreters of the of the sacred lore and the sacred knowledge that was being passed down by Q. So, and you had here the interesting um situation that some of their interpretations would be commented on or confirmed or denied by Q and others wouldn't be. And so you had a potential interaction with God, you know, with the with the source of the holy scriptures. Um, this again, you know, for for people like you and me who are outside of this, looking at in on it, we go, that's whack, that's crazy. How are they? what? But people in this headspace, this is like being acknowledged by your favorite celebrity, by your favorite movie star, by your favorite, you know, a, a sports figure. He, you know, he's he's listening to what I have to say. He's paying attention to me, and then, of course. The other thing about this is that Q is not the savior figure. Q is the person who is dropping the truth, but it's Donald Trump who is the savior figure. It's a really important point of this because Q is not the cult leader. Donald Trump is. He's the one who's going to be the savior figure, and he is presented in an iconic way as this perfect specimen of humanity. who is uh leading the charge against the cabal of satan worshipping pedophiles okay keep in mind this is where a lot of these you know really whack pictures and images and memes of trump as rocky and trump as as george washington where they take trump's face and they superimpose it over these heroic figures this is where this crap comes from. These people are worshipping Donald Trump as a savior figure, and they believe that he is actually going to bring about a new world order, so to speak. You know, they don't use NDO because that's conspiracy talk, but they basically have that concept. This is an apocalyptic savior belief set where there is a, you know, very, very similar to Christianity and you know why would that be well you've definitely got a christian component connected up with this and i'm not going to get again that's just another layer of analysis of this it's not the driving force it's not that this they everybody's a christian and that's why they're part of qAnon it's just another layer of qAnon and it's and it happens to be an analysis point of the conspiracy theory that came out of all of this is that Donald Trump is your savior figure, and so the evangelicals were able to connect with this right away, because they'd already developed their own Donald Trump as savior figure mythology, so they were plugged right in with QAnon. You know who else connected up with QAnon? The neo-Nazis. You know who else connected up with QAnon? The flat earthers. Who else? The Proud Boys. The the patriots. I mean, the you know the oath uh, keepers. I mean, all these sort of neo-Nazi, white supremacist, you know, Christian nationalist groups started feeding into this conspiracy theory once it became mainstream. Not all these people were going around on the four chan, eight chan boards. They were they were watching YouTube. They were on they were on Reddit. Q actually did an AMA on Reddit and asked me anything. <laughs> I think he only answered about 12 questions of any importance but you know this had a growing thriving community on Reddit on Facebook there were Facebook groups Facebook pages put together to follow all of this and keep up with the Q drops see the Q drops and the interactive sort of role playing aspect of this is really really crucial to understanding why people got so sucked into it is I mentioned LARPing earlier as an activity that occurred on the boards, but in a way, all the QAnon followers were LARPing because they were live action role playing as though they were part of this movement of people who were going to actually save the world. Sound familiar? (laughs) Right? And again, you can get into quite a heady Quite, uh, you know, a dopamine-filled headspace. You can get quite euphoric, quite high, quite sure of yourself, quite, you know, full of yourself and your importance, if you think you're on a mission to save the world, if you think what you're doing is actually exposing the dark, deep underbelly, the criminal element, the the disgusting Satan-worshipping element of the people in power. You know, why is your life so rough? Why are the economics so bad? Why is it you have to get vaccinated? Why is it that the world seems to be going to hell? Well, it's all these child, you know, eating uh, Satan-worshipping pedophiles. And Donald Trump's going to save us from all of them. And look, look at all this evidence, right? Because as these Q-drops were interpreted and turned into bread, they would then start looking for real-world proof that what they were saying was true. And as you know, from Flat Earth, from 9-11 truthers, from any conspiracy theory, from anti-vaxxers, you know, you can twist reality and corrupt facts and and make fiction into fact just like that. It's nothing. It's easy. It's, it's, it's the easiest thing for the human mind to do, to drum up facts to support a belief. We do it every single day of the week. We do it every single hour of every single day we're alive. We we rationalize and justify our feelings, our beliefs, our ideas. They're ours. They're special. They're unique. There are special things and we have to protect them and hold on to them, right? Cuz ideas are scarce <laughs> and beliefs are sacred. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you start thinking this way, then these things become really important, and they can become grossly exaggerated beyond all proportion. And that's what happens in these conspiracy headspaces because people start getting on this, uh, into this sort of purpose-minded, mission-minded frame of mind that they're doing important work. And if you don't believe me, you're part of the problem. Right? It, it gets in group, out group. Immediately, right? We have the sacred knowledge. We have the loaded language. We have the special truth, and I'm inviting you in to become part of it. And if you call me crazy, I know there's something wrong with you. That's the Q headspace. That's the conspiracy headspace. It's the cult headspace, and um, and QAnon is no exception to that but without a central leader and without Donald Trump ever actually stepping up and saying I'm Q. See, he's made all of, he's taken advantage of this by using the mindset, the extremist mindset of these people to for to his advantage. All he cares about with them is getting their money or getting their votes or getting having them keep him out of trouble. That's Donald Trump's Approach to all of this. So the whole QAnon thing is something that he wants to leverage to his advantage, because he wants to leverage everything to his advantage. (laughs) And it just so happens that in this um, belief set, he's the savior figure, in the same way that he's the savior figure for the event for the Trump supporting evangelicals. So he's going to leverage that as much as he can to use that to his advantage. So we come to um, January 6th, right? Let's fast forward now. January 6th, 2021. This year, we had us a very nice insurrection. How did that happen? Well, a bunch of these groups, a bunch of these people came together uh, in Washington, D.C. to you know, stop the steal. Hashtag stop the steal. We're going we're gonna to go protest and we're going to stop this, um, this uh, injustice of Donald Trump not being reelected. We're going to stop that. They're stealing the election. And Trump himself went out and, and uh, talked to these people and said, you go up to that Congress building, you go up to that Capitol building, and you tell them what's what, and you fight for the truth, because the truth is, I didn't lose this election, and they're trying to steal it from me. And you go on up there, and you you tell them what's what, right? And then Donald Trump retreated to the White House and watched in glee as these people marched up the street to the Congress building. Um busted into it as a mob, and you've seen the video. And if you haven't seen the video, well, check out the video. It was an insurrection. And at this point, hundreds of people have been arrested and um, have been identified and, and are being arrested who were taking part in this because it was straight up treason and an insurrection, an attempt to actually overthrow the government of the United States, that is what those people were doing there. And don't let any of their backpedaling and uh explanations and rationalizations for it fool you. Uh that is why they were there, and lives were lost as a result on both sides, unfortunately. Ashley Babbitt fa- famously was a, a woman who was radicalized online. She was a former uh vet, for, she was a veteran, former military from um former Air Force, and she was in San Diego running a business, you know, housewife, and, um, and she got radicalized over the course of two years online, starting with, uh, you know, winners like Alex Jones and Candace Owen and Fox News and diving quickly into the Q mythology and going full on into that. And her name is important because, of course, she was one of the people who stormed the Capitol and she got shot and she died. Completely needlessly for an absolute waste. Her life ended up being an absolute waste because, or her death at least, um, because she died for a complete lie. And that's a real world consequence. Um, An insurrection is a very serious real world consequence. Um, You know, this is not just people sharing idle memes on a message board because they have their freedom of speech this that that's the that's the, the 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 root the seed from which grew all of this so that's the basic story of qAnon and the basic origin of it um i can and probably will do more podcasts i would actually like to find some folks i've already identified uh, who know a lot more about this than I do. And I've, like I said, I've had my head in this for weeks, and, a, and there's just so much to know. And it's a constantly changing and evolving thing. This is still going on, you see. QAnon is still a movement that's happening. And while it might have fractured and factioned and split up here and there, it's still going. So this is not just a thing that happened in the past. It's still happening. The fact that there hasn't been any Q drops all year is fascinating, and the fact that the movement sort of, you know, wandering about and sort of not knowing really what to do with itself is fascinating. Uh, I said at the beginning of the year, it's going to be fascinating one way or the other what happens with this, whether Trump wins or loses the election, whether he, you know, ever claims responsibility for any of this, whether anybody steps up and says I'm Q, you know. But at this point, see. The movement has, has sort of gone past Q. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's its own sort of thing. The people who are part of this didn't stop trying to figure out what's going on, try to interpret modern events, try to contact Donald Trump, try to, you know, make things happen. They're still doing that work, even though there are no more Q drops, as I understand it. And, you know, that could change tomorrow. Between the time I'm recording this podcast and the time I'm posting it, Q could drop something. Wouldn't that be interesting? So who knows, right? Who knows? On the other hand, I personally believe that uh, whoever uh, was responsible for Q saw January 6th and decided, yeah, I don't think I want to be part of any of the consequences of that. Uh, So... You know, maybe that's why we haven't heard anything more from this person, or there could be a hundred other reasons. Don't take my word for it. I'm just conjecturing. But um, we don't even know who this person is, right? But they are not the leader of this thing. And And it's this that I'd like to comment on to finish this podcast off, is that what you see with QAnon is probably the epitome of the online cult model that we're probably going to be seeing more of in the future um, because if Q organically accidentally sort of started this whole thing and that is how it happened is it just sort of it was a twist of circumstances and memes and ideas that kind of magically coalesced into a perfect storm you know pardon the expression but it kind of fits here. Um, into all of this awful, it could easily happen again. Right circumstances, right people, right messaging, boom, we've got another one. So this kind of modeling is not the easiest thing to generate or create if you want to be a cult leader. But as I mentioned in recent Q&As, cult leaders often are um, you know, opportunists. They are... Um, you know, they, they are taking advantage of ex, of an existing context or situation and leveraging it in their direction, and it was really just kind of an accident that it happened. But once they start leveraging things in their direction, it becomes easier and easier as more and more people get on board and more and more people are agreeing with what they're saying or pushing or doing. So, so that could easily happen again, and um, we're not, like, at all— out of the woods or QAnons, no big deal or anything like that there's an intensive amount of study that still needs to be done on this is being done on this there's a number of articles academic work is just really getting going on this there have been attempts to analyze how it happened that's a lot of what i've read there's been attempts to kind of figure out, well, you know, what's, why are these people like this or what's going on with this? But what there hasn't been yet is a real drill down uh, study of these people. The, the QAnon people themselves, the followers, and that's really hard, obviously, because they don't necessarily present or make themselves very accessible. We don't know who a bunch of them are. You know, they're all anonymous on the boards, online, The the, the originators of this whole thing. But, of course, now that it's spilled over into the real world, we've got names and faces and all kinds of things from all of those security cameras that were at the Capitol. But other than that, see, that, that, that group of people who engaged in that insurrection was not just QAnon. QAnon was one part. QAnon members were one part of a collective of people who marched on the Capitol. And those people included uh, a whole disparate group of people. The only thing they all had in common was they thought Donald Trump was the bee's knees and he was the guy who was going to save the world. And they had to listen to what he said. And he told them, you go get this Congress and you straighten them out. And they decided they were going to go do that. Uh, You know, they built a gallows outside the Congress building as part of that with a noose. They actually hung a noose and a rope. They had gone that far. That was not symbolic, folks. <laughs> I, I, we really can't allow history to be rewritten, especially when it happened this year. <laughs> we need to be clear about what occurred on January 6th and, and why it happened. And why it happened is because a megalomaniac, <laughs> egotistic narcissist <laughs> named Donald Trump decided to leverage a bunch of deluded people into trying to overthrow the US government. That happened. And and I can't think, I only harp on this because I can't think of a more dire consequence other than say what Shonrikyo tried to pull off when they you know, inserted sarin gas into the into the uh, subway system in, in Japan and actually killed people and, and intended to have killed. Hundreds of thousands of people. They didn't want to kill just a few people. They wanted to kill everybody. Um, You know, that's the only. It's it's things like that. It's Jim Jones's uh, Kool Aid drill. It's um, you know, it's the it's the Waco nonsense. It's the it's you know, it's these kinds of explosive, violent situations that are the direct, not indirect, direct consequence. Of this kind of conspiracy minded nonsense that goes on on the internet and in real life. You know, we can't blame the internet for this. This kind of crap was going on before the internet was connected, but the internet has accelerated it. It's basically an accelerant to this kind of extremist thinking, and it creates more extremists in a kind of a whack a mole way. And it's us who have to deal with it. And it was bad enough before the internet to try to do interventions and try to get people one-on-one and get them out of these situations. Now we've got hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, deep into extremist headspaces, And they are radicalized people. They are willing to do real-world violence over their delusional beliefs so this is not just an idle academic exercise at this point and that's why you see me talking about this with some degree of seriousness is it is serious stuff and what stuff we need to be paying attention to so i think i've accomplished the purpose of my podcast here which was basically just sort of lay out the fundamentals of what this q thing is about um i hope you got all this i hope it all made sense i hope i communicated clearly and um, and I would love to know in, in response to this podcast, please put in the comment section here on YouTube or at sensiblyspeaking.com what you think about this and what your ideas are about it and any other questions or things about this that you might want me to talk about or interview other people who might even be more knowledgeable about some of this get them on my show and ask them about it. I wanna know what you guys wanna know, in other words. So don't be shy, put that in the comments section to this video, and we will see about doing some um, more exploring of this topic. All right, guys, thanks very much for coming around and listening to me Babylon here. And um, of course, I do need to say, uh, cause I really need to kind of put this plug in more often here on my podcast. Um, you know, I really do need your support uh, financially It's a a thing, and right now, you know, times are tight, and I get that. If every listener to this show really just put in $1 a month on my Patreon, just one, one buck, it would make a tremendous difference to my life and my ability to do the work I need to do in order to get you guys even better content, okay? Um, So that's my pitch. I hope you guys are willing to help me out and uh, throw some love my way via Patreon. Like I said, even a dollar a month, not a a big deal probably for you, but if enough of you guys were to do that, it would make a tremendous difference to me. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.